podcast series, we'll be speaking to industry leaders from various business verticals and understand their approach towards marketing and growth. We'll be focusing on key aspects like customer acquisition, retention, engagement, personalization, among others, and provide key insights to our community of marketers and product owners. This is your opportunity to learn and emulate these learnings in your campaigns and marketing initiatives to churn exceptional results. The pandemic changed how we look at every aspect of our life now, and education is no exception to that. So with mandatory lockdowns and social distancing norms in effect, schools have had to shut down and online classes have emerged as a real viable solution, which is helping parents keep their children's learning on track. Now, this facilitated, this facilitated the need for educational platforms that would allow students to learn from the safety and comfort of their homes without overwhelming them. A tech brand right across the globe fit the bill, and as such, the vertical has experienced quite a growth surge ever since. But the key question here is, how do you build a modern-day edtech platform which encourages and equips learners to solve real-world problems? Our guest today and their organisation might just have that answer for us. Hi listeners, this is your host Shalini, and I'm of course talking about Neobail. Bail is an ancient Asian tree. It has educational, medicinal and spiritual connotations to it. And Neo means new. And the Neobail logo represents the disc of the bell fruit when it's sliced, as they truly are a new fruit of knowledge. The bell fruit typically has quite a lot of seeds in it. However, the Neobell team deliberately chose to represent only six of the seeds, as that represents the class size at Neobell. Today, I'm joined by Aradna Ayavora, who's the founding CEO, and Elaine Chu, COO of Neobell. How are you both doing today? Hello from Singapore. I'm doing great. Thanks, Shalini. I'm really excited to be here. And hi from Belgium. I just want to say thank you so much for having us. Of course, I'm so excited to be speaking with both of you. I think this is going to be a great session for our listeners. But before we get started, um, there was something that I wanted to highlight. Um, and that being, there are very few women currently in management positions in the tech industry, and even fewer female founders. Um, Aradna, what advice would you give to women who are climbing the career ladder or looking to set up their own business? That's a great question, Shalmi, and one that I get asked quite often. So my top recommendations would be, one, is to build your own ecosystem to back your, whether it's your entrepreneurial journey or your corporate journey. And when I mean ecosystem, both your personal as well as professional ecosystem, my second piece of um, advice would be don't be shy to ask for help. Reach out whenever you need to. Don't hesitate. And the third one, which I really hold very close to my heart, is don't let the guilt get the better of you. This particularly holds true for women and those who are mothers. I've been guilty of it too, so it's taken me a long time to get, make my peace with it. Research shows that women tend to bear a disproportionate load of the household and parental responsibilities. So these would be my top three recommendations. I'm personally very grateful to have massive support from my family, friends, and industry connections. And the one thing that I do want to tell all women out there 
is just like the African saying for children, it also does take a village to raise an entrepreneur as well. I love that. And, and I love, love the saying there about, you know, it does take a village to raise an entrepreneur as well. And I think just going back to your comment about the guilt, I, for one, have definitely been there. Um, so I love the advice that you've just given to the listeners and those that are, you know, looking to start on their career ladder or looking to found their own company as well. So thank you so much for those insights. So let's kick things off um, with the most obvious. How did Neobel come to be? I understand you've got a very interesting founding story, one that spans the peak of the pandemic. So could you walk us through the inspiration behind Neobel? Yes, absolutely. I'd love to. So Newbury was born as a result of our failed search as parents, that's my husband and I, whilst we were looking for a credible and collaborative learning solution for our own children during the pandemic. We looked at a wide range of platforms and they were either focused on acing exams over a tuition style, webinar style, or one is to one teacher to student model. Um, as a dance coach myself and an AI scientist, um, that's my husband, we wanted our kids education to be supplemented. We wanted them to be able to go beyond grades, break away from a very siloed subject approach and build confidence to solve complex problems using a battery of soft skills. Since we couldn't find one that fit the bill, we created our own. So that's pretty much the story behind Neobail and where the inspiration came from, Shalini. I love that. Um, it's really interesting how you know certain companies are founded and, and, and under different circumstances too. So appreciate you giving us some um, some insights into into the story there. Thank you. As a follow up, I'm curious to understand your approach towards the 21st century skills in your learning modules. How do you design projects which are for primary age learners, and what has that journey been thus far? Yeah, I think. One thing I've observed is that soft skills are often forgotten at school and many adults are left to learn these, you know, on the go at university or even in their first job. And a really interesting section of research is about how much easier it is for children and especially primary age younger children to pick these up and it become innate practice. So when we design our project based modules, we actually look at the 21st century skills and we see them as essential learning objectives. So they're not something that's picked up by accident. We build them into our outline and we look for opportunities where learners can not only learn how to do them, but also practice them. Uh, just to give an example, we might look mm -hmm. at how we can always build problem solving while doing a maths task. So if we're looking at budgets as part of you know, pitching for a bakery business, we include discounts. And that extra layer means that you have to look for opportunities to problem solve. And we look for ways that we can impart more than just knowledge. I think that part about import, imparting more than just knowledge is very important to us. Every module at NeoVail has 100 hours of planning, design, and delivery behind it. So we put in a lot of thought and effort behind designing every single module at NeoVail. We look at industry trends and the learning objectives of the age groups and then plan the module. So exactly like how Elaine mentioned, it's 
not just something we pick out of thin air. It's done with a lot of thought and intention behind it. We do so without dumbing down the concept for the children, but keeping it age appropriate, whether it's the explanation, whether it's the tasks or the activities that are involved. We do our own research and development on the choice of modules through a series of surveys that we conduct with our learners, coaches, parents, and the industry experts that we work with. So this is how it's a very holistic approach that we have towards designing our modules at Neobrail. And I think the great thing there too, um, Elaine, you touched on this earlier, was about incorporating um, you know, real life situations. You gave the example of the bakery with the discount as such. And this is the sort of learning that I'm hoping that my daughter also gets exposed to just to set her up with life skills. So it's great to see that the courses are designed with, with keeping those, you know, those objectives in mind as well. Um, you know, talking about objectives, um, one question I have is you have this mantra that seems to incorporate three major aspects, create, present and lead. Are these what define the core values of Neobel? And how does that translate into your customer engagement and business strategies? Yes, it is indeed our tagline. Well spotted, shall we? So we <laughs> have found that it is most common practice across many jobs that exist today. The whole idea of creating, presenting and leading, it's, it's common across most jobs, um, across multiple industries. We believe this will definitely be the foundation for future jobs as well, which is why building 21st century skills and the ability to be able to apply them to real world scenarios will continue to be the litmus test for most roles. In terms of our customer engagement and business strategy, one of the things that um, we do at Neobail is marrying pedagogy and industry expertise. This continues to be one of our USPs. Although we work on building a range of skills into the modules, these are three capabilities of creating, presenting, and leading that we do focus on. And every module that we have culminates into a project which encompasses these three main skills. And the reason we do this is because children do not get enough practice in their day-to-day -day education to do this. So we want to be able to provide children with ample opportunity to be able to do it across borders and cultures with many more other learners and coaches. Yeah, our core value at Neobel is really, truly a learner focus. We want children to have the opportunity to feel confident and feel prepared for real life. Um, we genuinely believe that the three skills, create, present and lead, are linked strongly to success and the future of the job market. I mean, I can't think of many jobs that aren't going to involve innovating, communicating and presenting your ideas, as well as collaborating and taking a leadership role. Yeah, and I'd just like to add to that is part of our business strategy. This is something we practice as well as preach. So internally as a team as well, we've built this into as, as part of our company culture as well. And this also really helps us with our customer engagement because our learners and our parents and the industry experts, as well as our coaches, our entire team that work with us, they recognize that these are important facets of, of their jobs. Yeah, that's great. And and I really like how, you know, the tagline is also such an integral part of the business and the business values. It really says a lot as to the business you've set up here and what you want the learners to get from it. So thank you. Um, the learning modules at Neobel do seem to focus on interdisciplinary learning, which can be applied to real world scenarios, as you've mentioned, such as 
the modules we spoke about, uh, pitching a bakery business or designing an accessible playground. So what's the thought process behind creating these modules and how do you go about doing it? That's such a good question, Chalni. And yes, that's right. We deliberately focus on an interdisciplinary approach. As we all know in the real world, we need a range of skills to be able to do our jobs, whether you're an accountant, a radio jockey, or a programmer. So while building Neovale, I also noticed how my kids started displaying higher levels of interest, retention, as well as application when they were topics that they could relate to. So I'll give you an example. Usually mm. the challenges are how would you teach a child that doesn't like math to enjoy math? How do you teach a child that doesn't like art to appreciate art? These were the kind of things that we started looking at and that was the thought process behind the modules. So one of the best modules that was designed at Neobail was how to create and manage a football club, which actually incorporates these elements. So a child who doesn't really appreciate art, how do you get that child to appreciate murals as part of the football club? A child that is not fond of math, how do you get that child to chalk out a budget that they will be running for their football club? So, and you'll be surprised at the number of non-football children that we had signed up for this module and also enjoy it. So this was mainly how we went about emphasizing on the interdisciplinary approach and also demonstrating how that actually works as opposed to a siloed approach. And from an educator perspective, this is actually quite a different way of thinking. So our curriculum team, we plan backwards. So we start with a real life scenario. We turn that into a child accessible project that we can work towards. And then we match um, the subject based learning objectives to that project. So we really build something that is truly interdisciplinary, which is truly varied in its style and learning objectives. I'll be honest, it takes a really long time, but the result is something that is truly special. So now let's talk about the setting up a global edtech business, what it entails, how the platform is built in terms of courses and trainers and the pitfalls to avoid. Aradna, would you, would you like to kick this off? Oh yes, I'd love to, thank you. So Neobuild's vision is to democratize good quality learning by personalizing it and making it more accessible as well as affordable. So in terms of our courses and the platform, we look at what learning objectives children are expected to know as per their national curricula and how we can apply it to a real life concept. So children actually know why they're learning it in the first place. Just like the example you cited about your nephew. I've seen from example that once children know why they're doing what they're doing, it's much faster for them to enjoy the process and also come out with better results. In terms of our trainers, we call them coaches here at Neobail. They are trained to deliver in an inquiry-led format. And what I mean by an inquiry-led format is we don't really believe in filling the bucket of knowledge. It's more about how do we enrich the child with the tools that they have in the first place and then build on the skills that they have. So that is one of the things I think uh, in terms of pitfalls and how, how we've designed the courses definitely stands out. The other point I wanted mm -hmm. to make when it comes to pitfalls is our vision is global. And this could be, this could be something that other platforms might resonate with. The vision can be global, but you should probably start locally. 
So in our case, we chose to start with a strong focus on Southeast Asia. Currently, majority of our learners come from Singapore, India, Indonesia, and Philippines. This is primarily so that you avoid the mistake of trying to tap into a really large market um, in terms of geography at the same time. So start off locally and then build region by region is one of the pitfalls I think uh, plat global platforms should try to avoid. So another interesting thing is when it is about looking at recruitment. So we haven't had to limit recruitment to any specific countries. So this has been really interesting for all of our staff, but especially for being able to have a really broad cover of time zones for our coaches, as well as a lot of thought and cultural diversity when it comes to planning our modules. So we actually have coaches all the way from Ireland to the Philippines, a really broad range of people contributing both to delivery and to design of what we're creating for the kids. Yeah, and one point I'd like to add, Charlene, in terms of the pitfalls is one of the challenges for us has been communicating our curriculum to parents um, and some investors as well. The great thing is children engage with our sessions instantly. For adults, it can be a little bit hard to adjust and get their head around what is it exactly we do it and how we do it, only because we're very used to set styles of learning. So if we look at a more Eastern, if we look at more Eastern countries, traditionally they expect exam prep and Western countries find things like coding a little bit more unexpected at this age. So this is, this is something we've had to grapple with in terms of pitfalls and, um, and we've had to work our way around how, how we navigate that. Yeah, I can imagine. And I, I really think there's something you said earlier, which really resonated with me as a marketer as well, which is you know, to first grow locally and then to expand region by region. It's something that I try to stay, I try and stay true to. Um, and it is also the one advice that I give to fellow marketeers when they're building up their businesses as well. So some great advice that's coming from both of you. Thank you. So a follow-up question for me. What would you say are some of the pain points that you as an edtech business have faced and how did you overcome those? Oh, that's a very interesting question. So for us, um, it's been a couple of things. One, as a female founder raising funds, and if I may add, as an Asian female founder raising funds in a crowded <laughs> male-dominated uh, space has definitely been one of the challenges. And usually the bigger edtech platforms tend to focus on exam prep or have a siloed approach or a one-is-to-one teacher-to-student model. And a majority of them are very traditional rote learning style environment. In mm -hmm. fact, one of the pain points for us in, in the early stages was about when we would have queries about which subject do we teach? And sometimes parents would openly ask us, so how many marks can we expect our kids to get and by when? So these are some <laughs> of the things <laughs> that we had to, um, we had to be very political with our responses <laughs> because sure, we understand yeah. where parents are coming from and it's, it's part of the system. So these are some of the interesting pain points that we had. And, um, but we overcame this through a battery of tools. So one, we actually started educating the parents. Like I mentioned earlier, it's not really the parents' fault. It's what the system is, has been designed for. So we started mm -hmm. holding a lot of webinars. We actually invite parents to sit in and watch when their kids are taking um, some of our shorter modules, the 60-minute modules. So they actually understand 
how the module is being taught, what is inquiry led, what is the difference between hard skills and soft skills? Because I think part of the process to overcome this challenge was to educate the parent as well. Yeah, and the, and the, I guess the great thing with that, and at least I, I try and do this with my daughter, is when she's doing her homework um, or assignments, I try and be involved um, and work on, on some of the questions with her. I think it's great since I'm learning something in the process too. And it's just giving me another opportunity to spend time with her um, you know, and build up some excitement around the different subjects that she could be learning. But that's, that's great to hear that you encourage parents to, to get involved there too. Um, I think many parents would, would love to, to do this with their children as well. So could you tell me a bit more about how you engage young learners from around the world what's the biggest challenge would you say for global ed tech for young learners how how is it engaging both sets of audiences parents and kids alike different um it'll be great for you to tell me you know what's worked and what didn't for you and what are some initiatives you've taken to boost engagement so one thing we've really learned is that children are children wherever in the world they are um some might come from an education system that means it takes them a little more time to adjust to that more inquiry-led question-based approach of learning but ultimately most kids love learning when they understand why they're learning in the first place so when they have that project that's linked to real life that they're working towards um, we also have an incredible coaching team who really believe in the power of the curriculum we're designing and genuinely care about the learners' needs. And I think that makes a huge difference to engaging parents, um, engaging children, but also for parents to know that there's someone who really cares about their child's progress on the other side of the screen. I think that is huge. I second that. We have an incredible team of coaches and non-coaching colleagues who truly have a learner-focused attitude. We run many free sessions, which are a great driver for our engagement as well. So a couple of the things that we do are a weekly, a free weekly collaborative global trivia, which we call, thank goodness it's Thursday, because it runs on a Thursday. Uh, this happens twice a week, and we invite kids from across the region to come and join in and collaborate, exchange knowledge, and it's a it's a friendly, competitive environment, yet a fun, nurturing learning environment. Then we also host a free monthly read-along. And what we do is we invite award-winning authors to come and do a live read-along session. And just the thrill for children to be able to connect with the author of the book that they read is priceless. Some of the questions are mind-blowing and some of the questions are very funny but <laughs> it's it's really lovely to see how the kids take the opportunity read read the books and come to the session and sometimes kids don't get the opportunity to read the books but they're still able to connect um, with the author and they just love the opportunity to be able to connect with someone who does this for a profession another thing that we do is as part of educating parents um, and bringing them onto this journey of inquiry-led learning. We regularly conduct webinars. We also, in these webinars, focus on 21st century skills to get parents to understand what are these skills, what, are the, what is the difference between hard skills and soft skills, why are they important, and how could they, in their own time at home, build these skills into their children. 
And another last thing that I think I can think of is we provide free 20-minute activity sheets, which are designed on a range of topics like um, how would you make art with science? So we get, you can get your spray guns out and you can paint and create a whole fun but messy artwork as a family. But at the same time, you can also pick up another activity sheet, which is about math and magic. So how do you create magic through math? So these become fun and engaging ways. And just like how you were talking about earlier, Shalini, how you spend time with your child when she's doing her homework, just for the parents to get a glimpse into how their child learns, what motivates them, and to guide them along their learning journey. So these are some of the things that we do. I think that there's two things I want to mention here. The spray gun with the art. I need more information about that afterwards. Um, that's definitely something I'd like for my family and I to do together. I think my kids would absolutely love that. Um, you also hit a really interesting point, Elena and Radna, about spending time with children and getting insight into how they tend to learn. And I'll be honest, I was very guilty of my daughter goes to school, she learns, she comes home, we do homework together, and that's the way it was working until lockdown happened. And all of her lessons were done over Zoom calls. And that's when I got a real true insight into the ways that my daughter soaks in information. Where does she tend to have stumbling blocks and how she overcomes those issues and, you know, also gets an idea of her problem solving skills. So I think that the fact there are courses created that can help parents especially get more insight into how their children learn and take in knowledge is absolutely fantastic. So I'm, I'm very excited to, to dig into Neobel, um, go through your courses and see what I can uh, sign up my family for. Elaine and Aradna, it would be great if you can also provide some information to the listeners, especially those who are parents and carers, about your courses and how they can, they can find Neobel details. Yes, we'd love to. So the best way to find out information is to go to our website, which is www.neobail.com. And the free activities that you can look for are one, which is Thank Goodness It's Thursday. This is the global trivia that has twice a week. Another one that we do is a live read-along that happens once a month with a leading kids author that's uh, under the read-along section. And we've also got free activity sheets if you click at the bottom link of our website which says free worksheets you will have a whole list of worksheets that you can do as a family and there's also 60 minute sessions really short sessions that we do which encompass a range of learning topics around science technology art and maths so these two ones are called um Sounds like an animal orchestra. This is for seven to nine years old, again, on our website. And the other one is, what would that habitat sound like? This is for nine to 11 year olds. And both of them have some really cool coding features to it as well. I mean, you mentioned coding. So I'm absolutely going to check, check that one out for sure for my daughter. She's, she's a keen coder. But all of those sound really great. So I appreciate you taking the time and giving some information on your courses and when to find the details on your website as well. Thank you. But with that said, that brings us to the end of an interesting and insights packed session. Um, 
I just want to say thank you so much, Aradna and Elaine, for joining me today and sharing such a deep level insight on the edtech space and how to set up a modern day edtech brand that not only meaningfully engages customers, but also really provides them with the tools to resolve real world challenges. So thank you again. Thank you ever so much for having us, Shalini. We had a great time chatting with you. Likewise, thank you so much. Wishing you both a wonderful day ahead. And, and that's it for this episode of our podcast.